a little bit of an elbow bump. Man, who thought 2020 you'd ever hear that statement take place, huh? Hey, it's great to see every one of you. We're excited you're here today. Hey, uh, while we're going through today's service, we're updating all of our uh, technology in order to be able to be online and here at the same time. A lot of people are still out there, don't want to come back, and I get it and I understand that. Uh, but we are having some computer glitches as we're entering into this new technology. So if you see something happen on the screen, uh, don't turn, turn around and look at the guys in the, in the booth. Matter of fact, let's get that over with right now. Everybody just turn around and look at them. There they are. Well, look at those four ladies and gentlemen back there. Man. Yes. Well, it really is great to see all of you. Are you guys excited about the fall starting? Oh, my, about time. My goodness. Man, well, last week you heard something here at church that you didn't hear before anywhere else. We're in the middle of our building series, and we talked about how every one of us are studs. And, you know, I would have thought I would have heard more amens out of that. You know, I, I just didn't, you know. But uh, we're all studs. And what we were talking about, we're using our, our magical wall over here. We're using our wall that Ben and and Simon built for us. And we're talking about how God is inspiring us in the middle of a world that's deconstructing. And I think we're looking around seeing a lot of crazy stuff going on, a lot of things being torn down. And, and maybe some things need to be torn down. But we also need to figure out, well, what are we gonna build up? We're not all gonna live in tents. So he talks about how we are going to be the very framework that he's going to use to create society that fulfills his calling for our lives. So behind every wall in your house, no matter what that wall does, there is a series of interlocked framing that holds the wall up, that gives it strength, and all the plumbing is attached to it, all the electrical is attached to it, and that God is using us. He's building us. Each and every one of us are like the studs that are behind the wall of what God is doing. We are part of the very system that God is using, a framework in our society. The Apostle Peter used this verse, and I shared it with you last week. In 1 Peter 2, he said, As you come to Christ, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, every one of us are being built together, interlocked together into a spiritual house. We're not just a building. We're not just a nonprofit. We're not just a bunch of uh, do-gooders that you know, are in society. Um, we are the house that God built. We are the assembly of God. We are being framed by God. I don't know about all the countries and all the political systems and all that that go on in the world and have been going on in the world since the beginning of time. But I do know this, that what God is building is his church. And that's what God is framing together. So every one of us are, are part of this framework. And, and it's really interesting. We are the load-bearing structure in society. When, when society gets away from church, it, it, it doesn't take long, give it about 50 years, but it, it doesn't take long that society begins to break down. Why? Because the church is the very load-bearing wall. The more these studs that you have in place on the wall, the more it can, you can hang stuff on it. If you only had maybe like one stud in that wall, you do not. You do not want to hang your 65-inch OLED TV that you just got from Costco on sale. You do not want to hang it on that wall. 
And, and what we're finding out is that without the church, society really can't bear much load. We get angry with each other. We, we become riotous. We, we become disruptive and destructive, and, and things begin to fall apart. The Apostle Paul said this in 1 Timothy 3. He says, I write to you so that you know how you ought to conduct yourself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of truth. I mean, that's what we are. We're not just a truth, but of all truth. Everything makes sense in the light of what God is doing in our lives. And, and when we begin to build on the principles of God, it, it just gets good in society. We haven't always done it right, but it is what God's building. And Jesus himself said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That if you're looking someplace for all the craziness to end, hell ends here. All the hell ends when the church rises up to be what God has called the church to be. But he's empowered us to be, to be this thing we call priesthood. Started last week in 1 Peter 2.4. He said, you are being built up into a spiritual house, into a royal priesthood. Now, what does that mean? And, and I was raised Catholic, so it meant collars. It meant, you know, uh, wearing black all the time. It meant not getting married. It, and to be honest with you, it meant a lot of weird stuff, okay? I mean, it, it, just was, it was just kind of like out of touch with what seemed to be the rest of the world. I'm not saying those people were ungodly in any way, but it just didn't, is that really what God is wanting us to do? But throwing all that aside, that priesthood is simply this. It is being God word for people, or being people word for God, and then God word for people. Our job is to connect people to God and then God to people. It's really interesting. He's given us this sense of um, agency. I mean, it really is. We have agency on this planet. And I know it doesn't seem that way, that we're just here to get saved. That's Bible Belt theology, that we're just here to go to heaven. It's like, no, I'm here to give you an agency. I want you to connect the right person to the right house and the right house to the right person. I mean, that's really what we are. We're, we're here to be an agency, connect being a people word for God and God word for people. And the theological phrase for all that, the religious term for it is being a priest. And so that's what God's called us to. And, but let me just say, this concept of being a priest is not something that started with the Catholics or the Lutherans or the Episcopalians. Um, it's something that's been around for a really long time. And not everyone was a priest. In the story of God in the Old Testament and God and his people, not everyone could be a priest. So that's why when the Apostle Peter says that we are, and he's being all-inclusive with the believers in Christ, that we're all priests, that was kind of a weird little thing to hear out of the Apostle, um, especially since he didn't clean it up and say, well, everybody but this person. Um, you had to be a part of a certain tribe in order to be a priest in the Old Testament. And then you had to be a part of a certain family to be one of the priests that would go even further. And then you were only able to approach the Holy of Holies or the tabernacle of God. I mean, you had, to be, you had to be men. You had to be a certain age. Once you got a little old, you got, you, know, you got retired. If you weren't old enough, you weren't allowed to do it. You had to be of good health in order to be a priest in the Old Testament. And so we need to realize when the Apostle Peter says that we are a kingdom of, of priests, that Everybody that's hearing that, the Jewish audience that's hearing this is like, 
Whoa, wait a minute. You're calling us all priests? Don't you want to clean this up for the ladies? Don't you want to clean this up for the old men? Don't you want to clean this up for the infirm and whatever? And he's like, no, no. We are all a kingdom of priests to our God. But one of the most renowned jobs of the priests was carrying the Ark of the Covenant. Now, now I'm not talking about the boat because... Uh, as a Catholic, I didn't know a lot about the Bible, so when somebody talked about the Ark of the Covenant when that movie came out, I, I really thought, you know, they were looking for the lost Ark of Noah uh, because I didn't know about an Ark of the Covenant. And so when I saw Indiana Jones and all that, that was all new to me. I didn't know there was this box that was, you know, kind of like incredible. And, uh, but it's, it, it really is the one that Indiana Jones was looking for. See, the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament... In the Old Testament, God's kind of like using metaphors a lot. He's using allegory and examples. He's using physical objects to represent spiritual realities that we are encountering now in our lives. But the Ark of the Covenant was the physical device that God had Moses build to represent his presence. It was kind of like, you know, here's this nomadic tribe coming out of Egypt, going through the desert. You got all these other gods around and all the other... Uh, kingdoms and all the other nations. And, and so there, God wanted Israel to represent his presence. And so um, the Ark of the Covenant was designed by God, fitted together exactly the way that God wanted it to be because that's the way he wanted it to be represented. But then he gave the job to carrying it to just this special group of men, this special group of people. And they were considered the priests. This was the priesthood. It was only they can touch it. There, it was there at the Ark of the Covenant that the pillar of fire would meet with them. You know, God would just whoosh, come down, and on top of this, this box with two angels with their wings touching each other, he would just come down and meet with them. You've seen the movie, especially the scene where he comes down and he kills all those Nazis. I mean, that's really in their faces, you know, kind of melting away. You say, well, you're so ridiculous. Do you know I got saved because of that movie? I mean, really, it was one of the most influential things that happened in my life to lead me to Christ was because I'm like, man, he can melt your face off. I better, I better, get, I better get right with this God. So, um, so this, this, it's where the presence of God would come. It's where the sacrifice, the blood was poured. Uh, you know, so every, everything happened there. It was with inside the Ark of the Covenant that a staff from Aaron, Aaron's staff, who was the high priest, was put inside the Ark of the Covenant. Um, also, they put the Ten Commandments. If you've ever wondered where they went, the Ten Commandments, those two tablets, went into the Ark of the Covenant. And then the third thing in there was a bowl of manna. And they left over from their times, just to kind of remind them, you know. Um, so all these things that, and the Ark becomes super significant. And the ark um, represents the presence of, uh, of God. The fire represents the presence of God. So that's what the priests were carrying. It's like, hey, what they're carrying represents the presence of God. The ark represented the provision of God because it had the bowl of manna in it. So that's what, when the priests carried the ark in, it not only represented the presence, but it's like it was the reminder of God provides. The ark also represented the truth of God because inside of it, there were the, the, the Ten Commandments. 
The ark also represented the leadership and priesthood of God because it was the staff of Aaron inside of it. The ark also represented the compassion of God because it was there that the offering was poured out to make um, for the forgiveness of sins. And this is what the priesthood would carry around. So you see where I'm going with this? What is our priesthood? What is it that we're supposed to be doing as priests? What are we, what is our job? What is our calling as priests? Um, we are fitted together to bring the presence, the provision, the truth, the leadership, and the compassion of God into the world. See, that's a big deal. There's no other organization on the earth. There is no other species of biological life form on the earth that has been given the task of carrying the very presence of God, the provision of God, the truth of God, the leadership of God, and the compassion of God into the world. Nobody else has that calling on them. We are a big deal. And where the ark goes, so goes the blessing, the authority, and the power of God. And we get to carry it. Where the ark goes, that's where the presence of God went. Where uh, the ark went, that's where the provision of God went. Where the ark went, that's where the truth of God went. And now we're being told we're the priests of God. So where we go technically as priests of God, that's where the spirit of God's supposed to go. That's where the truth of God's supposed to go. That's where the leadership of God. Do you see how our society is desperate for us? Do you see, men, that you are called to be a priest to your wife because you bring the compassion of God to her, the truth of God, the love of God, the provision of God? Wives, do you see that your priesthood, now you're like, oh, wait a minute, let's go back to just dudes now. You know, it's like, no, let's just do the dude thing again. No, no, no. Do you see how every one of us, as, uh, as, as parents, it's our job to carry the presence of God, the truth of God, the provision of God into the lives of our children, into our society. It's what we're called to do. Um, but it needed to be done God's way. Let me just turn back to the Ark of the Covenant again. Because there was a time that we were given an example when there weren't any priests around. So now we've got this box that's like, you know, 200, it's, 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 like, a, it's like carrying around a, a dryer, you know, that's plugged into that big plug in the wall and not unplugging it and running it while you're trying to put it into your truck. I mean, somebody is going to get burnt, somebody's going to get fried if they don't move this thing the right way, and that's exactly what happens. See, one time it was moved using an ox and a cart. Instead of moving it with priests, it was designated, hey, here's a little trailer I got from Tractor Supply. Let's hook it up to this F-150 and let's take it down the road. Okay, when they did that, somebody died. There was this time when the right people were carrying it and it didn't go well. The Philistines got a hold of it and they thought, wow, okay, we're now gonna kick Israel's butt. We now got their... That we got their, their God, we got the box with the God in it and all that, we, we're gonna get their provision. So they carry it back to their cities and when they bring it back to their cities, all the statues of their gods begin to break and fall down in front of it. They begin to get all these uh, big blisters on them. They all get sick and some of them begin to die and, and they're like, we need to get rid of this thing because 
you know, the presence of God, the truth of God, the love of God, it all needs to be carried the right way. And if I would say there was any mistake that the church has made in the 21st century is that we haven't carried the truth of God to the world the right way. Okay, we haven't brought the love of God the right way. Or um, what we're seeing is sometimes uh, that it is being carried by people that shouldn't be carrying it. You know, that people trying to accomplish a work uh, that really aren't the ones, like the Republican Party. I mean, I'm all for the political system, but it's like, you know, they try to you know, grab some of the Christianity thing, get the Christian vote and all this other stuff, and, and it's like, we're gonna carry this God back into America. No, uh, no, the church. The church is what Jesus is building. Well, then the, the Democrats, we're gonna do everything equality. We're gonna make everybody right. We're gonna, make, you know, we're just gonna level the, give it all away. Nobody's gonna be rich, nobody, we're just gonna, whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's kinda sounds, kinda sounds a little bit right. I mean, it would be kind of cool. Everybody got treated right, and nobody got victimized, and, and all that stuff. But it's like, yeah, no, no, that's just not the right people to carry this message. We look at an organization like neo-Nazis, uh, hyper right wingers, you know, slinging guns all over the town and walking around, and you know, going to shoot you if you take down this statue and all that stuff. It's like, well, it just doesn't seem like doesn't seem like the right message. We could get, some of it could sound biblical, but then we got blacklivesmatter.com, and I always want to specify .com because I believe black lives matter very much to God and should matter to us, but blacklivesmatter.com is not worthy to carry the tabernacle of God, okay? Well, you should have amen me on the other stuff. I'm serious, okay, serious. Uh, that's, that's how we're going to do church better into the future. Do you know, folks, that half the people in this church are Democrats? Half the people are Republicans? And I've heard that of some of your mouths that a Democrat can't be a Christian. I, I, I'm sorry. Did, did I see that in the Bible someplace? I must have missed that someplace. Okay? God has called you to carry his message to the world, his truth. Okay? Uh, I got people on my staff that are Democrats. It's like, what? Yeah, yeah, I've got libertarians. Oh, she's crazy. I mean, I got a libertarian on my staff. You know, it's like, why? It's like, because what is in the ark? The, the law of God, the truth of God. Let me tell you, we get that thing right, we get the, the truth of God right, you know, there ain't gonna be a political party in the world that wants to hang out with us. You know, they just want to swoon us because they want votes, both sides. So I didn't mean to get off on that, and I just wanted to say we're going to do it differently. We're going to be who we are, and we're not going to look for change to come from the White House no matter who's there. It happens with us. Jesus said, I will build my church. You know the church is bigger than America? Now I'm a veteran. I bleed red, white, and blue. I mean, I cringe every time I see things happen to the flag and, and I, I wanna grab my shotgun and I wanna go. And, but you know what, Jesus keeps reminding me, it's like, you know what? America's not the best thing on this planet. You know, and, and all, I know you veterans are out there, it's like, dude, it's God and country. I mean, it's country, then God, then family. No, it's not. It's God and then family and then country. Okay, I mean, that's really how it's supposed to go. It really is supposed to go that way. Someplace we mixed it all up, but, uh, uh, and I did as well. So let me get back on track. 
is we need to be the right kind of people to carry what God wants. There's a right way to do it, and there's a right people to do it, and we're called to do it. The other day, I, I, I started, I did my own uh, blacklivesmatter.com moment, um, and what I mean by that is that uh, I became a, a riotous mob of my own, you know? See, political systems are just oxen and carts. That's all they are. Uh, that's all they are. Riotous mobs are the wrong people. And, and, and so I decided, I saw something in the news that just me off so bad. I mean, and, and I took to Facebook to change the world. So I put my cape on, Mr., you know, right-wing righteous guy, you know. So I, put my, uh, so I put my cape on, and I started typing out what I thought about this news, you know, facility that these, these people put out this information. And, you know, I, I basically dropped the F-bomb on social media, okay. And so I got a phone call from a friend of mine here at Crosstown who said, um, Hey, Pastor Paul, um, is that really what you wanted to say on, on Facebook? And, and I'm like, please excuse me, but hell yeah, it was. I was like, that's exactly what I want to say. I don't think it was. And, and you know, if any of you have ever been in that situation with me or with another Bostonian uh, that, you know, to critique, it just doesn't really start real well. But all of a sudden I realized this, this woman is trying to protect my priesthood. She realizes I'm an Ark of the Covenant carrier. I'm the guy that, ca that carries compassion, love, truth, uh, mercy, provision. And, and there's only one way to do that, and it's God's way. And she just reminded me in, in a beautiful, graceful way, is, is this really how you want to use your priesthood? And I was like, oh, got me. And I was like, you're right. And I... I Took it down while we were talking. And, you know, I took it right down, and she's right. See, being the priesthood of God is a really big calling. It's a really big deal. You know, we've, because we have the power to support society. We have the ability to bring change that is real and meaningful, that all the other groups, even at their, on their best day, are trying to get, but just are not able to deliver. Jesus told the story about priesthood in a way that we normally don't view priesthood. But this is, when I looked at this story, it's like, oh my goodness, this is a priesthood story. Um, let me read it to you. You've probably heard it a gazillion times, but I want you to see it as a priesthood story. When answering the question, who is my neighbor, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road. A See, this is a priesthood story. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by the other side. So likewise, a Levite, which is the tribe that the priests come from, so we've got another priest in the story. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the, the place and saw him, he passed by the other side. Do you see what they're doing with their priesthood? But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, somebody, now we picked Samaritan because that's worse than, for a Jew, that's worse than being a woman, that's worse than being old, it's worse than being infirm, 
you're a dirty Samaritan, okay? So Jesus is intentionally getting slop all over this guy because they don't think he can be a priest, but Jesus tells us otherwise. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? See, this is how Jesus sees priesthood. Jesus shows the distorted view of priesthood. It's kind of like in this graphic. See, that's the distorted religious community. It's the community that, that wants to just stay away from all people that are different than they are. It's the, it's, the, it's the community that doesn't want to get involved, that wants to go to the other side of the road. See, that's what religious priesthood looks like. But now Jesus shows us that real priesthood involves itself in daily life. This is what it looks like. See, priesthood brings compassion. Remember what we talked about? That priesthood is being people word for God and God word for people? Meaning that we go right through and in the world to make the connection between God and people. See, religious priesthood just wants God. Oh, I just want a Holy Ghost service. I just want a Holy Ghost service. And then, dear Jesus, take us home one day. Rapture us, O Lord God. Take us out of this evil world. Okay? We just want to bypass the world and, and get to God. But you know what? That's what it looks like. Matter of fact, a better picture than that would have been that cross right there. I mean, that's exactly what priesthood looks like. Real priesthood dares to get involved. Real priesthood dares to cross barriers. Ethnic familiarity. You know? I mean, it's like, yeah. Real priesthood is willing to pay the price. See, connecting God's resources with people who need God's resources. To bring the manna. Remember, that was in there. Resources. To bring the truth. That's what our society needs now. The truth, and I, I did a, a sermon on love is love. And if you didn't hear it online, you got to listen to it. Love is love. That's a lot of bull crap, okay? Uh, love is love is nonsensical. It's one hand clapping. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's the echo of a voice that doesn't say anything. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's psychological nonsense. It sounds really good. Um, it's a mule cart. That's all it is. God is love, okay? God is love. And so God wants us to bring truth of what love is. He wants us to bring compassion, his presence into the world. So how was the Samaritan a priest? Well, he connected the hurt man to the resources of God. He connected him to the compassion of God. He inspired the truth of God to all of us. He carried the ark, into that situation. You see, when a priest enters a room, he's carrying the presence of God. And we have the exact same calling on our lives. Every one of us. You're living in a bad situation. 
You work in a bad place. You're having a hard time with society. You know, I was, I was in Lowe's the other day, and, and um, uh, it, was a, it was a weird moment. Maybe I went down the wrong direction on the aisle, but there was this black gentleman that was coming towards me. We were about the same age, and about the, we all kind of walked. We both kind of walked with that, like we're going to kick somebody's butt kind of walk, you know. It's kinda, so we both came face to face to each other. And you know what I did? I pulled down my mask, and I said, I wanted you to make sure that you knew that there was a smile under this mask, and I hope you're having a good day. And he put his hand on my shoulder and laughed with a big laugh, and I put my mask back up. And it was like, but the mask left it uncertain, didn't it? I mean, you, you really can look B.A. in these masks, you know? I mean, even David Franklin over there, he looks like he's ready to kick somebody's butt, you know? I mean, he's one of the gentlest, kindest men on the planet, you know? But with a mask on, he looks like, but see, what the, what the church needs to do is remove all doubt. We need to bring the provision and the love and the compassion and the truth of God into the world. When you enter, when you walk into a room with the intentionality of priesthood, you bring the kingdom of God into that room even just for a moment. God's in the room. I mean, if we do it intentionally. You know, when I went on Facebook, I didn't, I didn't look to bring God. I just looked to bring a peace of mind, a little bit of riotous spirit. I'm sick and tired of all this idiocy, and I'm going to come after it. It's like, oh, really? Well, do me a favor. Will you put the ark down before you do that? Okay, will you put the ark down? So in closing, how is your priesthood going? And I, and, and I didn't want to ask this question at the end because it sounds so convicting. At least it was for me. It's like, how's your priesthood going? I'm, I'm not asking you, how saved are you? Um, I didn't ask you, how's your tithing? I didn't ask you, you know. I, I just asked, asking this, just how's your priesthood going? You know, are you connecting people to God? When you walk into a room, is, there, is that room changed? You see, the world doesn't need another ox cart. I think it's so wonderful that our political parties, our logos are represented by animals. Okay, elephant and a, and a donkey. Okay? Now, I'm pro-America till the day I die. If we fought a war, I would love them to draft me. I would go in a skinny minute. But I do know this, that an elephant and a donkey cannot carry the ark of God into the world, okay? It's the church of God. We are his royal priesthood. When you walk into your office, you know, how's your priesthood going? You know, when you, when you go home after work, how's your priesthood going with your family? When you're hanging out with your other single friends, um, how's your priesthood going? How's your priesthood going in your dating relationship? When you see somebody, a stranger that's broken down or needing help or just somebody that's different than you, how does your priesthood go? Do you cross the other side because they're another colored skin? Or do you take it straight into the world? Your kids need to see you carry the ark. If we've ever need, if youth need to see us adults carry the ark in the presence of God into the world. Your marriage needs 
somebody to carry the ark of God into it. You know, we are, we are that. Everyone here, I don't care how old you are. I don't care what mistake you've made. I mean, he used the Samaritan not because he was making a compliment. He used the Samaritan in the story because that was the last person in the world that had any right in Israel to represent an ark carrier. So I don't care what mistake you've made, how many times you've been divorced, what you struggle with, you are a priest of God. And you know what? And, and I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll finish up, I promise. I, I almost said priestess of God. But here's the reason why that's a downgrade. Is that in the Bible, God uses masculine and feminine to show, to show a sense. There, there's a real philosophy behind it. And if you ever want to sit down and learn about it, I love it. I have a whole thing about it. It's, it's incredible. But the, God, but the Bible does not say that to as many as received Jesus, he gave the power to become the children of God. That's not the original Greek. It says, to as many as receive him, he gave the power to become the sons of God. And why is that important? Because in the Jewish language, there was nothing higher than being the firstborn son. I mean, if you were the third kid, you didn't get anything. It was no better than being a girl. Okay? But what the Bible says is that whether we're male or female, that when we receive Christ into our lives, we all are vested with the power of the firstborn, the firstborn son. So we're all priests. We all go in there with the strength and the power and the authority, the love, the compassion of God to change this world. Joe Biden ain't going to get it done, folks. Donald Trump ain't going to get it done either. I think we all know that, right? I mean, come on. There's no magic in that box. We just got a mule and, a, and an elephant. We need God and that the world needs us. Heavenly Fathers, we enter into this moment. Maybe for some of us, the art needs to arrive in our living room. And we've been praying that God, that you would do something in my living room. And today you're telling us, I anoint you and ordain you a priest of God. Today, your priesthood begins. In the school that your kids attend, no matter how much you agree with how school's being done in America, we've already read every Facebook post we don't need another mule and another elephant. We don't need another wooden cart. We need, the world needs us to bring God into every situation, even if we don't agree with it. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, God. We're not just a nonprofit taking up five acres of land. We are what you are building on planet earth we are being assembled by you and the very gates of hell will not prevail against it let me encourage you as we receive communion as we have a moment of worship as you go and, and maybe write a prayer down that God I bring your priesthood into my marriage into my dating relationship into whatever it is let this be a time you allow God's spirit to come upon you you are a royal priesthood set apart 
by God.